Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Corey and Kellen here, host of the Breaking Down Collapse podcast. If you're a first-time listener of the podcast, there are three quick things that you should know. First of all, we're really glad you're here. We do cover some topics that can be alarming and can be sometimes hard to hear, but we're really encouraged by everyone who tells us this content actually helps them to feel more prepared and empowered to make a positive impact. Second, although the information is alarming, we don't take an alarmist approach. We really care about looking at things from a well-rounded, reasonable perspective. And third, we've heard from some listeners that things really begin to click for them by the time they get a few episodes in. Yeah, that's definitely the case for me. I really began to grasp this a few episodes in, and it was probably around episode 8 or 9 that I experienced a total paradigm shift. So if you're just getting started, I'm both excited and nervous for you. Hope you enjoy. Hey there, I'm Corey. This is the first episode of Breaking Down Collapse, a podcast in which I'm going to take the complex issue of collapse and try to break it down in a way that makes learning it a little bit easier. I'm here with my friend Kellen. Hello. Kellen and I have been friends for a long time, and he doesn't know much about collapse. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to not only teach Kellen about collapse, but also perhaps be able to teach some other folks about it as well. Yeah, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't know anything about Collapse. You're absolutely right. But I'm I'm more than willing to learn, so teach me. Yeah, awesome. I'm super excited. I, I feel like in a lot of the forums that I'm part of online, people often talk about how frustrated they feel that they're not able to explain Collapse to people that they know, to their friends and families. And that when they try, people shut them down pretty quickly. And I feel like you've been pretty receptive as, as we've talked about it. 
And I think partially that's because you're just a great friend of mine and we have a kind of trusting relationship where we can talk about these things. But I also feel like I might have a pretty decent way of explaining it to people that makes sense. And so I thought, why not do a podcast and see if we can help some other people experiencing the same issue? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the fact that we are friends and have been friends for a long time helps, but I've also heard you explain it to other people. And so even though I'm still just getting my bearings and learning what in the world you're talking about when you say collapse, I think me learning about it in a setting like this is going to help other people to know how they can explain it to others. I guess what do you think of when you hear the word collapse? Well, the first time I heard you say anything about collapse, I mean, in my vernacular, it's very much just like Jenga pieces collapse. And then when I heard the context that you were saying it, it sounds much more like the end of the world. Like this is the apocalypse and that dinosaurs experience collapse <laughs> when a meteor came and hit the earth or collapse is like everyone's got guns and they're running around and they're in their bunkers and there's bombs going off. And I just picture something just that seems like it's from a movie. Yeah, that makes sense. So kind of like the Hollywood day after tomorrow sort of idea of collapse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what most people kind of envision when they hear that word. You know, it's funny because you said it's like a Jenga tower collapsing. And, and that's personally how I think about it is that, you know, you build up this big complex structure and then the foundation of it gets pulled out from underneath it. It's not a one-time event. It's not a meteor striking the earth or like a massive solar flare or one giant earthquake or super volcano or anything like that. It's rather, it's a series of events that happen over time that cause a society to gradually lose its complexity. Honestly, I'm relieved to hear that as I'm starting to learn a little bit about it. I'm hoping it's a little less anxiety inducing for somebody like me. I'm the kind of person that if I'm reading news headlines throughout the day, I start to spin off in these weird mental tangents and, yeah. and kind of start to get depressed about the state of things. And so I don't know if having these conversations is going to depress me, but I feel like it seems a lot less, well, maybe it's more depressing because it's not so far-fetched if it's not just a big, crazy yeah. meteor strike. I think there's two sides to that. I think on one hand, I personally believe that this is going to happen. Like there's, we're not going to avoid it. And so that is depressing. It is. And a lot of people involved, you know, we call them collapse aware. People who are aware of this tend to start to feel that way. And that's totally true. So I would advise, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're worried about that, if you do suffer from depression or anxiety and you think that, that listening to this type of stuff might be detrimental to that, I would advise probably not listening to the podcast. Once you see collapse, you can't really unsee it. And it weighs on you. So in that aspect, Kel and I do think it is a little taxing. But on the other side, I'm of the belief that knowing about something gives you a little more sense of control over it. Like you said, because it's not something that's so like out there and dramatic and crazy, to me, that's more comforting. If I thought at any one moment, all of a sudden a meteor was going to strike us, you know, that would be more anxiety inducing to me. The knowing and seeing the signs of what's going to happen over the coming decades that will gradually lead us down this path to collapse. So I just got to say, when I hear it, collapse to me just sounds extremely vague. And I'm curious, is this like a national thing? Is it a global thing? Like it's, it sounds like a word that is whispered among a very niche group. And people who've never heard it used in that context don't know what in the world it is. Okay. So 
why do people use the word collapse instead of just saying like the end of the world or the end of all things as we know it? No, that's a great question. I, I think that's totally valid. So, you know, people do talk about it and they just may not always use the word collapse. And it entails so many different things that you could be learning about collapse without them saying the word collapse. So, for example, if you're reading about climate change and climate science, that is a heavy like symptom and consequence and possible cause of collapse. But you don't often hear like climate scientists saying like, the world's going to collapse. You know, that's not really the language that's usually used, but becoming collapse aware means understanding all of the different aspects that could cause the collapse of society. People talk about like, yeah, the end of the world as we know it and, and things like that. And in one way, like it is the same thing, but you'll also notice that a lot of like doomsdayers and preppers and people like that, they talk about more extreme events. So like a common theme amongst preppers is to talk about like EMP attacks, right? Where like that's a localized attack on the U.S. where all of a sudden all of our electronics are going to be fried in a millisecond. And then everything that we depend on is just gone and society is going to immediately collapse into this chaotic mess, right? And so the reality of collapse is that it encompasses so much more than that. It's not just a single unlikely event. It's rather a natural consequence to essentially what we've set ourselves up to by having such a complex society. And I guess this might be a good opportunity to kind of talk about the layout of the podcast and how we'll talk about these things. So the first seven episodes are really going to be the most important ones if you're learning about Collapse. This episode, we're just going to talk about what Collapse is and what it isn't, just to make sure we have a, a solid definition. The next episode, we're going to talk about societal complexity and sort of our society now and, and how we've set ourselves up to be extremely vulnerable to collapses. Then in the next episodes, we'll talk about some of the causes of collapse. So a couple questions come to mind. Again, I'm new to all of this, but you've made some comments that make it seem like this is something that's just inevitable. We're moving towards it. But you also made a comment that was something along the lines of, here are just all the ways that things could collapse. And so are we talking about a lot of paths that lead to the same destination? Like no matter what, we're as a society going to collapse? Or are we just talking about like, hey, let's be prepared in case this happens, in case this happens, in case this happens? Yeah, so a lot of people would argue that it's already started, that we're already basically down the road so far that it's too late to turn back. And we'll talk about each one of those ways in the coming podcast. But one specifically, for example, is climate change. We're down so far on the climate change path that a lot of people are saying it's just too late to turn back. And so when you add in all the other things that we'll discuss, it does seem like we're probably too far to turn around. Now, I think it's important to talk about them because I think there's things that we can try to do to mitigate the problems, right? Or slow it down and give us more time. But my personal belief and the belief amongst most in the community is that we're probably too far down that path. Hmm. I'll just tell you as somebody, again, who's new to this, some of the kind of barriers that come up in my mind. Like, I can feel myself being a little bit resistant to what you're saying. And and I'll tell you a couple reasons why, and maybe you can address those. So the, the first thing for me is I'm like, well, this sounds a little bit like conspiracy theory. Right. Like, when you talk about it, that sometimes people have a hard time telling other people about collapse, that might be one reason, because I can feel it in myself. So what's your answer to that? Part of the reason that people 
don't all talk about this is because we have this inclination to be optimistic, right? And believe that like human nature is to survive and adapt and we'll do whatever it takes to overcome any issue that we have. And so when we hear that there's trouble, we kind of automatically turn that off and just say like humanity will come together to fix it. And because so many people just flip that switch, they turn themselves off to learning about it. Now, collapse itself is a pretty complex topic. And so I think that's the second reason that people don't take the time to really understand it because there's so much that goes into it. And that if you're turned off at the first thought of things are going downhill and that maybe we won't be able to turn back, then you're not going to take the time and invest yourself in trying to learn more about it and understand it. Once you understand it, like this was how it was for me, once I put in the necessary effort to understand it and really make it click in my mind, it was like, whoa. I just understood it all of a sudden and I couldn't believe that so much of the world doesn't and doesn't care and the people who do hear about it turn themselves away from it and and don't listen. Hmm. It's not a conspiracy, you know, because for conspiracy, you would have to believe that someone is purposely behind it. And it's not that any one person or any group of people are behind this trying to make this happen. It's just human ignorance. It's the attitudes of everyone basically just trying to make the best out of this moment, but not thinking to the future to make sure that we have everything that we need to continue going at the rate that we're going. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I think that's helpful. I think another thing, you mentioned it being <clears throat> complex, and already it sounds pretty complex to me. And I think of it almost like you hear people talk about a business, and if you're an investor, if somebody can't tell you what their business idea is in one sentence or two sentences, then it's probably trouble, right? Like, right. it's not worth your time because they don't know what they're talking about. Yep. So if I come to you and I say, like, what is collapse? And you say, oh, well, it's complex and there's all these facets to it. And, and like, I could teach you a little bit about this and that'll help you understand this and this. Then I'm going to be like, I've already lost interest. Right. So, so for you, you were somebody who didn't know anything about it. And now I feel like maybe you're not an absolute expert, but you're definitely an expert compared to me. What is it that turned the switch for you? Yeah. So first of all, you're like, absolutely. I'm not an expert at all. There are people that know way more about this than I do. I think my strength lies in being able to take the complex idea of it and being able to break it down in a way that makes more sense. Right. And so I'm going to say things that probably don't align perfectly with everyone in like the collapse community and maybe scientists who might know all the little details and facts and numbers and things like that. But I understand the overarching principles behind it. And so that's where I think my strength lies here, not only in the podcast, but, you know, in our friendship and being able to explain how it works to you. So what you were saying, you know, with a business pitch, it does need to be really simple. And with collapse, the difference is we're talking about a truth. It is what it is. And the fact that it's not simple does make it more difficult to not only explain, but understand. And so if that turns people off to hearing it, then it's a natural result that people aren't going to learn about it. And and that's just, I mean, we're seeing that when we look around. And I think that's one of the big frustrations for people who are collapse aware is to look at so many other people who aren't and who refuse to be and who at any elevator pitch they try and make shuts them down completely. Because when you try and put it into an elevator pitch, it comes out conspiratorial. Hmm. And that's why here in the first few minutes of this podcast, you've, you're feeling that way because I can't fully explain it to you quickly. We have to go through a few episodes, you know, and really discuss some of the, the background and the backstory behind it all for it to really make sense. If I was just to say, hey, collapse means that uh, in the next century, humankind's population is going to decrease by 90 percent. 
you know, you're going to turn off to that and be like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. If that was the case, everyone would be talking about it. Right. Yeah. So true. So. And it kind of makes me think the other thing, the other direction I could see my mind going is, yeah, I start to catch what this is all about and I start to believe what you're saying. And I just throw up my hands and say, sounds like there's nothing we can do about it. It's going to happen no matter what. So why even learn more about it? Why even try? What's the point of all this? So for you, what's the point of all this? Yeah, that's the challenge. And and again, on the forums and the other people who I talk to, it's evident that some of them have that attitude, right? And they just throw their hands up and they say like, well, the world's screwed. There's no point in me trying. And that's that. And, you know, honestly, on an individual level, maybe it's true. Maybe there's not that much that I can do to prevent the world from kind of this direction we're headed. But I do think that it's important to know about it. And the more people that do, the more chance there is for change, especially when we talk about things like climate change. You know, there are people out there that protest, that are trying to get governments and and politicians to hear them and change. And the more people that are passionate about it, the more people that see into the future and realize like where this could lead us to, if we don't make an immediate change, then hopefully we can get more people to stand up and make a difference. Hmm. You know, I don't know that this podcast is going to be that voice, you know, that gets people up and moving, but each individual person who learns about it and decides that they want to make a change, I think in the aggregate, that's powerful. Love that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So do you feel like, because I can see two types of people that would really dive into this topic with no hesitations and maybe the rest, the rest of the population would take a little more convincing. So one type of person, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but people who are very centered on facts, I think of people that like put all their trust in research and science and they just love any bit of evidence. And, And as soon as they see evidence towards this, they're all about it. And I can see another group who maybe sees it as religious, uh, part of a belief system, and that they would really cling to this because it aligns with what they feel has been prophesied or what is part of their value system. So for, for people that don't see themselves as like super scientific or super religious, is there a place for them in all of this? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, I think to some degree, everybody likes to hear the evidence and likes to hear the facts, right? And I think a part of this is just intuitive as well. You know, you look into the past and just look at occurrences that have happened in every society historically, and they've all collapsed. 
you know, you're not going to find a society that's been around or complex society, at least that's been around for thousands of years, because over time, they all go down the same path of collapse. And so I think as a person who's listening to this podcast, maybe evidence isn't huge for you. And maybe you're not the type to just kind of believe based on like religious beliefs, but you either hear it and it makes sense. And like, you feel like it's true, or you don't. And I'm not out to like convert anyone, right? Like I, if you don't want to know about this, then you're not going to, you're not going to believe it. I could give you evidence and facts, but that won't matter. We know in today's day and age that to people who don't want to listen to evidence, they, there's an easy way to spin it and say it's wrong. And for every climate scientist out there right now, there is another climate scientist who will negate what he says. And so anyway, I guess that's just to say that I'm not going to prove anything. I'm going to explain what makes sense to me in the way that it makes sense. And then that's up to you, the listener, or you, Kellen, to decide if it's something that you would get behind and, and feel that is true. Or if not, put it in the knowledge bank and go to the next topic, I guess. Yeah, um, fair enough. And I feel like the way you've introduced this podcast I love how open you are to that, to understanding not everyone is going to believe all of this. Not everyone is going to care about all of this, but it sounds like you want to get the information out there. You want to build awareness where it's possible to build awareness. And for somebody like me, I feel like it's a safe place for me to be a little bit skeptical and voice some of my doubts or concerns or questions and that you are kind of going to help me get to a point where I can find answers. Absolutely. And no judgment, right? Like you can ask all the questions that you want. If I'm going at a pace that doesn't make sense, or if I start talking about something that we haven't really discussed enough of the backstory on or something, and you want to talk more about it, you'll ask that question. If you're asking the question, then a lot of the listeners are probably thinking the same thing. So I look forward to your questions and, and kind of just seeing where the path takes us. And, but like I mentioned, the first, the first seven episodes, I think of this podcast are going to be the primary ones to really understand the overall principle of collapse. And then after that, we'll kind of pick it apart because there's a million episodes we could do about each little part of collapse, but we're not going to get into that much detail. I don't think in these first several. So that's just something I wanted to point out. So I think uh, it might be a good time here uh, now towards the end of the podcast to just discuss a couple different definitions of collapse based on some authors who have made it their life's work. Yeah. Perfect. So um, there's two main authors that I'm going to quote here. Um, they have similar definitions of what they believe collapse is and how they would explain it, but um, different in a couple different ways. So one is Jared Diamond, and he says that collapse is a drastic decrease in human population size and or political, economic, or social complexity over a considerable area for an extended time. Okay, so what I'm hearing is a lot less people. Less people. Yep. And less complexity. Okay. So the system that we live in simplifies itself. Huh. And we'll, we'll talk about that, especially next episode, what it means to be in a complex system and what it would mean to simplify the system. Okay. So that might be one of those topics that's a little fuzzy right now, but it'll make sense. Well, and, and if I can just ask while we're yeah. on the topic and kind of defining it, that makes a lot more sense to me. And maybe part of the reason I kind of turn myself away from people who I've heard bring up collapse is because it seems so extreme, like some sort of big crazy event or all of a sudden we're going to reach this tipping point and people are going to be dying left and right. 
But this makes it sound like there doesn't have to be an attached time frame. It doesn't have to be like within a year, the population decreases by this percentage. Yeah, no, not at all. I think, you know, when you talk about like the population decreasing and complexity um, going away, it doesn't necessarily have to be this and it likely won't be this big epic Hollywood style event. It's going to be more grueling and more over a longer period of time, it might take decades for it to happen, right? And the signs will come slowly and there will be tipping points along the way where things will escalate and there might be bigger events that happen like economic recessions and, you know, political turmoil and things like that that sort of speed up the process. But it's not going to happen all at once. And it's not like today there's 7 billion people on the planet and tomorrow there's one, right? One way that people put it um, on Reddit, for example, they call it a boring dystopia. There's a whole subreddit dedicated to it. And it's just kind of about how the future is, it's just kind of bleak. <laughs> and I know that's not, again, it's not a fun topic. But yeah, Collapse, it's not, we're not talking about Hollywood level stuff. We're talking about a more gradual decline. So if that's the case, if it's more gradual, and maybe this is just a personal opinion, but do you believe that in my lifetime, I will see a significant change to the way I operate or to my lifestyle? Will your lifestyle change? I think so. I think that, I mean, we're pretty young. We're 30 years old. So I think by the time we're hitting 60 and 70 and 80, I I personally, like you said, it's an opinion. But I think that, um, I think the world at that time is going to be different. Okay. And I imagine we'll get way more into it. But this this gets me really intrigued to know, like, what what it would look like. To know... Because when you describe, like, maybe we won't have some of the luxuries, I'm like, okay, are we going back to, like, a time without technology or a, a time with, like, pioneers and pilgrims and a very simple, like, farming lifestyle? But I imagine that's not necessarily what it'll look like. But anyways, I'm excited to learn more about that. You mentioned the the definition you gave me about the population going down and things getting less complex is just one definition. Is there another way you would describe it to me? Yeah, so there's one other author. His name's Joseph Tainter. Um, by the way, Jared Diamond and Joseph Tainter both have some really great books on collapse. So if you're interested in the topic, if you're enjoying the podcast, I would recommend reading a couple of their books. Um, but Joseph Tainter says, A society has collapsed when it displays a rapid, significant loss of an established level of sociopolitical complexity. So he talks about it more on a social scale instead of it being population necessarily or economic. But on a, on a social scale, our, again, our complexity would would decrease to a much more simple form. And when you said, you know, would we go back to like the 1800s, you know, like pilgrims and things like that? I mean, you could look at it that way from like a technological standpoint, perhaps. But one way to, to also think about it is that in the 1800s or 1700s, they got there very gradually and they didn't have what we have now right? Living in a log cabin through a rough winter wasn't a hardship necessarily because before that, all they knew was living through a harsh winter without a cabin, <laughs> right? We know living through a harsh winter in our like heated homes at 78 degrees and, and all the comforts and everything that come with that. So when all of a sudden, all of those things are turned off, you know, and you go back to a, a simpler form of, of living, it's going to be a shock to a lot of people, I think. But for us, it will happen, like I said, over decades as well. So it'll still be gradual, but we've known better. And so it will hurt worse. Okay. That makes sense. So I want to bring up one thing to just kind of end this here. And it's a trip that I took back in 2014. I was able to visit 
uh, Machu Picchu. And I believe you lived in Mexico for a bit, right? I did. For a couple of years, I was in Oaxaca, Mexico. And they actually, so there was a, a people that lived in Oaxaca that their society collapsed as well. Yeah, that whole area, Oaxaca, Chiapas, and I'm sure all through Central America, it seems like it's just full of ruins. So Monte Alban was a place that I went to. You yep. talked about Machu Picchu, and I think there's ruins scattered all through the area. Yeah, yeah. so Monte Alban was actually the one I was going to ask you about. So you visited the ruins? Yeah. What was that like? It's crazy. First of all, it was crazy. The biggest surprise to me... And I don't know if this is where we're going with this, but to me, it was to see how advanced they were. I didn't realize that they like had like their structures and the, and the mathematics and the way they understood the stars and all these things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think like, oh, they were just a primitive people that were like a few steps away from cavemen. They didn't really know all the things that we know. Yeah. And so it makes sense that they got wiped out or they're not around anymore. But for for me, it was like, whoa, they're very much like us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, there were there were preserved skeletons of mothers holding their children, and there's all their weapons. And to me, it was fascinating to see these amazing ruins that that I don't even know how we would build those today. Right. They were able to pull that off, and now they're not here. Yeah, exactly. So in when I visited Machu Picchu, I remember standing at the top, kind of that spot where everybody you see all the pictures from. And you're looking down over Machu Picchu and I kind of just got this shudder, this like shivers thinking about that this was a populated area of people just like you and me who were living like everyday lives. And I, I wish that I could go back and see like, you know, the way that they traded and the way they did their agriculture. I wish I could like talk to them and see their kids playing like down in the, in the streets, you know, that sort of thing. And it made me really sad to kind of look at that and think that that society and everything that it entailed just didn't exist anymore. And I kind of think about it now and I zoom forward to maybe a couple hundred years down the road when someone's visiting New York City, right? And it's just this empty shell of buildings under like 10 feet of water. And people look back with that same sort of shiver in their spine and say, like, what were these people like? <laughs> what was this building for? What is that vehicle? I remember, you know, I had the stories from my great grandfather's great grandfather about these vehicles that could move or like planes that flew in the sky, you know, and not being able to imagine how not only we achieved that, but how we managed to screw it up. Hmm. And so this podcast is going to be the story of kind of how we get there. So it makes me think, you know, I think of, we talk about Monte Alban and, and Machu Picchu, and I'm sure there's ruins all throughout Central America. And I know there's, you know, I've got family who's visited some of these incredible ruins in China mm -hmm. and all over the world, there's evidence of ancient civilizations. I mean, are we thinking collapses when there's not really people in that area? Like if I go to a city like Rome... Or, I don't know, some of these other European cities where there's buildings that are thousands of years old. Does that mean they've been able to get by without collapse? Or does it mean collapse just took on a different form for them? Yeah, so, like, I mean, collapse isn't necessarily extinction, right? So it's like there are still ancestors of the Mayans and the Incas and all these different civilizations that still exist. But it's the fact that they lost the structure of the society itself. Hmm. So collapse doesn't have to mean 
the end of the world, right? I would say it's the end of the world as we know it. It's not the same world that we knew before. A modern day collapse wouldn't mean that humanity goes extinct. It just means that we kind of start over. We, we have a new beginning. And so, yeah, you look at these old ruins and there are people that live in Rome. Rome collapsed and then the people restarted. And so one day I think that the world that we know will essentially restart and our generations down the line will have the chance to pick up the pieces of the society that was shattered and left behind. Hmm. So there's also hope in collapse because um, when you talk about things like runaway climate change, especially and destroying, you know, the biosphere and all the impacts that we have as humans on the earth collapse kind of gives the earth a little bit of breathing room because it allows for things to kind of reach an equilibrium that makes sense. And that's really all that collapse is, is it's, it's the earth reminding society our place and putting us back in an equilibrium with our surroundings and our resources and everything like that. So to me, that's one of the biggest reasons that I don't feel depressed by the idea. I, I think, yeah, it's going to be a lot of hardship and a lot of difficult times for, for most everybody. But in the end, it will result in humanity getting to start over and hopefully learning something from the experience and uh, doing better the next time. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like just so far, I'm getting a much clearer picture of what collapse is all about. Before, if they had said, what is collapse? I might have said like, oh, it's just crazy apocalypse, paranoid people kind of stuff. Uh, now, if someone said, what is collapse? I, I think I would maybe say it's a very significant change to society, w whether that's a big decrease in the population or kind of governments crumbling or, or things. It's just a very significant change. And it sounds like typically in a negative way. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Most can, people would view it as negative. Yeah. Yeah. But can, can maybe in the end result in a positive in the sense of getting things back to more of an equilibrium. That's right. Yeah. I think there's a silver lining to, to it all, but in reality, there is a myriad ways that things could happen in the future and we don't know, and I'm not going to profess to know exactly what's going to happen. That's not what this podcast is, but over the next several episodes, we'll talk about, you know, several of the ways or I should say several of the, the causes of potential collapse of our societies. And so um, next episode, then we're going to talk about complexity. We've brought that subject up a few times in this one, but we're going to get into like the details of how our society got this complex, what it meant before we were complex in a simple society, and, and then why being so complex actually makes us, I would say, more vulnerable to collapse and even past societies that have already collapsed. Yeah. I'm excited for it. And like I said before, I'm really excited to learn a little more about what we think it would look like and also how scared I need to be, <laughs> how, how urgent all of this is, or if it really is just a really long-term thing. Yeah. So it sounds like there's still a lot for me to learn. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I'm super excited to keep talking about it. And Kellen, I appreciate you being here for this episode and for future episodes. We're going to have a lot of fun. So stick around folks and we'll see you next time.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.